you have to be taking action and you have to be at the right place in the right time to make things lucky for you. Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact. This is Chad Harris, your host for today. And the personal bit about me for this episode is that I have four children, currently ages 13 all the way down to seven. All right, welcome everybody. I am excited for this uh, episode because I have a good friend of mine, Seth Hummel, here for an interview. And he is a, uh, I mean, in my mind and in my realm, he is an expert entrepreneur. He has uh, started and continues to run many businesses, has years of experience, and is a very qualified consultant for businesses. So, um, welcome, Seth. Hey, thanks, Chad. We've known each other for uh, how long? Since uh, I think I first met you in 1990. Yeah. Uh, so that's 30 years. It's hard to believe. Um, no, I probably met you before that with Corey, maybe in the 80s, over 30 years. That's a, that's a long time. It is a long time, for sure. We're old. No, no, no. Don't don't go there. That can't be. <laughs> We're uh, wise and experienced, right? Yep, yep. So I like your questions, though. Uh, Chad sent me some questions, and that's always good to do when you're interviewing somebody is to keep them, give them, give them something to do to get ready for it. Well, I wanted to have you on um, to talk primarily, you know, tell your story um, related to entrepreneurship okay. and share some key insights um, related to entrepreneurship because, you know, most of our audience is real estate investors looking to grow their business or get started. And oftentimes we look at real estate investing like an investor model as if it were passive when in reality, it's much more like a small business model where we need to behave as an entrepreneur. We have to wear many hats. We have to be managing multiple people. And so um, I was really excited to get you on and have that discussion about entrepreneurship. So what is... Well, it's... it's um, I, I agree with you. Uh, I got a, a couple things to say before we get started. So like I was thinking about what you do yesterday to prepare for this interview. And, um, you know, I always think about things as, uh, as a process flow of inputs, throughputs and outputs, um, and you know, who the customer is and who the supplier is. And in your world, you have your customer is the person that's renting or the person you're selling the house to. And your product is, is that, is that inventory of, of homes that you have now you have, you have various ways to get your suppliers. So this is just like any other business you um, you're trying to get people not trying to get them to give you money, but you're trying to provide them a service or a product. And in this case, it's a service and a product. Uh, it's a home that works. That's up to code. Um, and it has services that come with it. Some people in the real estate world that I've spoken to don't feel like they're in the service or product realm. They feel like they're in the, hey, they rent from us and they pay us rent. But 
it's a product and a service just like anything else. So um, this is a legitimate uh, direct to consumer, business to consumer business. In some cases, your business to business, it depends on who you're renting to, if it's a commercial space. Uh, but you have to look at it from a product and service standpoint. And I think that when people think, oh, I want to get into the flipping game or I want to get into the buy houses and rent them game, that they think that it's set it and forget it. Like that old dude, Ron Popeil, who used to put those turkeys in those in those things. You put them in and you set them and then you forget about them until they're done. No, it's not a, I mean, as you well know, it's not a set it and forget it. Yeah. Um, so I'll let you ask your first question, but that's just my my well, two cents on the beginning of this. I think that's a, I mean, it's a great first point, really, that, that as an investor, you're providing a product and a service. And I think that really became even uh, more pronounced with all the COVID regulations and all the changes because people who weren't able to alter how they provided that service with their uh, renters really kind of were left behind if they if they relied solely on personal interaction. So I think that's a great point. Yep. Um, but I wanted to start with you just, you know, how did you, I know you have started many businesses over the years, still continue to run many and consult businesses. How did you get that entrepreneurial beginning or, or how did it start? What's your story? Well, I think that it started, um, I mean, I, it's kind of in my blood. Um, my mother's father, my grandpa, he uh, was an entrepreneur um, and, you know, he worked from home. He had a home office and he had, he had an office office because he was a, he was a real estate broker and he did farm management um, and he had a real estate firm and um, just seeing him do what he was doing and going on, you know, trips with him and, you know, listening to him talk. Um, I'm sure that it came from that. Um, but my first business, um, I started, uh, probably, I was probably around June of 1984. Um, and that would put me at 10, uh, 10 years old. I um, borrowed a uh, thousand bucks from my parents, not the Trump thousand. This is like, I didn't get a million bucks. Um, I got a thousand dollars. My dad, I went with him to Wright Pack Credit Union and he took out a thousand dollar line of credit and he handed me a thousand bucks and I was 10. And I went to a couple of state sales and I bought baseball cards. Um, and I had a, you know, I had a couple hundred left over and I set up at a a baseball card show at the Holiday Inn on Dryden Road here in Dayton, Ohio. The Holiday Inn right now is shuttered. Uh, it's got wood all over it, and um, you know it's it's just junk now. But it used to it used to hold baseball card shows, and um, I think I turned that eight hundred bucks plus two hundred for setting up and all the stuff you needed. You know, I don't know how much it was, and I have the receipts from it, and I have a logbook. I turned that 800 bucks into like three or four grand. Um, and I think that was when uh, my, like the juices in my brain started to flow of buy for X and sell for Y. Um, and 
Since then, I think that year I filed my first tax return. I made $35,000 when I was 10. Um, and since then, I've had businesses. Uh, I've started 20 of them. Um, I've sold four. Um, I have eight currently. Um, and the other eight that were left um, either were put, put to bed by me um, they ran their course like that baseball card business that ran its course or they died a miserable, horrible crash and burn death. Um, but that's, you know, that's how you get your, uh, your street MBA uh, is you, you start businesses and, you know, you, you make mistakes and you learn. Um, and that, that's kind of what got me to this place that, and, you know, a master's degree and then studying it studying business systems design and strategic management and MIT doesn't hurt. But, um, you know, that, that gets you through the grit and the crud. So you make fewer mistakes. You never, it's never perfect. You just make less mistakes because uh, the watchouts um, that always pop up or the initial mistakes that uh, new business professionals or entrepreneurs make uh, are things that I've already made. So I'm not going to make them again. Um, you know, it's learn from your history um, and don't, don't repeat the, the same mistakes twice is, is really it. And when it's funny because when people get greedy, um, they start making mistakes that they've made before. Um, and um, in, in this COVID COVID environment that we've been in since, you know, the middle of March, um, it, I have to watch my step because I follow Warren Buffett's rule. When people are scared, be greedy. And what he's really talking about is buy it up when they're scared. Because when people are scared, the majority of people start dumping, uh, dumping, you know, properties, cars, possessions, because they want to have cash in their hand. Uh, when people are greedy, be scared. So when the market was at its top, um, I was not spending money other than with you. You know, you and I did a few things, but the market was at its top. So it was good. It was a good time for me to, to cash out a few things. Um, had it been a month or two later, you know, what I cashed out and you and I put into those two properties would have been about half as much as it was. Uh, so it was good that I was cautious at the top, but it all comes from experience. You know, um, it, it comes from watching my parents um, be entrepreneurs and make mistakes. And it comes from uh, watching them be successful as well. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's experience, it's wisdom, it's white hair in your beard. That's what it is. Now, you can gain that by listening to people and by getting advice. And that's why people pay me now for my time um, because they want to ask questions. So, so that, that leads into the, the consulting type things that, that I do. And I don't do much of it um, uh, because I would rather be a salesperson than a consultant. So, you know, along the years, obviously it wasn't smooth, right? You had times where businesses Never. were going really well, times where it was a struggle. Um, what was your motivation to keep going? 
what did other people, how did they feel about it? Did you have people trying to deter you to just get a stable job? You know, what was that ride like? Yeah, it, uh, it was never easy. Um, I would say that 2008 and 2009 was tough. Um, I, not only was the economy in shambles, um, I got a divorce. I gained a ton of weight. Um, I got audited by the IRS for like three years. So it was like crazy. And, um, you know, my, um, my focal point during the time when the phone wasn't ringing in 2008 and 2009 was to go back to the mattresses to quote the Godfather, you know, pull everything in, get rid of overhead, get rid of uh, office space, uh, pull everything into the house and, um, and kind of re engineer how I was going to sell the area I was going to sell in, um, did a lot of uh, benchmarking on my competitors to see what they were doing, did a lot of reading, hmm. uh, did a lot of studying. And essentially, I didn't change what I was selling, but I changed my business model in how I was approaching potential customers. So when times are tough and, and in investors, entrepreneurs in your, in your sector have time on their hands, that's the time for them to, uh, to document their processes, to improve those processes, to um, look at their business from a business standpoint, look at it, look the, at the inside of their business, not, not look at the outcome. Um, and, and that's where most people sharpen their knives um, is, is when it's slow. Um, sharpening your knife when it's slow is, is the best thing to do because, you know, when, you, when times, when it kicks back in and you're ready and a lot of people, you know, they Netflix, they Netflix and, and sit on the couch, um, during COVID during the shutdown, I've, I've been working 16 hours a day. Um, so, yeah, so many people understand. So the ups and the downs, they're bad, but they're kind of good. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just saying so many people, they understand and they recognize that sooner or later they need to work on their business and not in their business. Um, but so often they say, well, right. I'm busy. you know, I'm just so busy. I'm trying to keep up. I mean, that's a good point that when there's a slowdown or when there's a lull, that doesn't mean your hours should slow down or your effort. That just means that it should be focused on you finally have time for that working on the business. So it's an opportunity. Right. And it's, it's working smarter and not working harder. Um, I mean, if you've got a process that takes you an, an hour to do and you spend, uh, you spend an hour to fixing it, um, like on a, a Friday afternoon or a Saturday or whenever, um, and you shave 10 minutes off of that, uh, that process, let's say you take an hour to fix, you know, to, to, get some waste out of it and shave 10 minutes off of it, you're, you're cash positive after you do it six times. I mean, your payback comes yeah. within six times of doing it if you take 10 minutes off of it. And, and if you do that once a week for an entire year or for two years, by the end of those one or two years, you're going to have a really uh, tightly run business that has processes that ha have been reviewed and, 
and uh, improved constantly. So it's the, it's the mixture of being relentless, um, improving incrementally, um, knowing that it won't ever be perfect, uh, and knowing that you can't rely on luck. Um, so those four things, um, and I'll say them again, be relentless, improve incrementally, um, know that it won't ever be perfect and try and don't rely on luck. Inaction won't get you further ahead. Some people are just waiting for somebody to knock on the door and hand them a million bucks. It's never going to happen. So um, sometimes people are lucky, but lucky is when you are prepared and at the right place in the right time and have the right cash and uh, ability and knowledge to take advantage of a certain situation that's put in front of you. So um, that's what I mean by sharpening your knives is getting those four things sharp. So when somebody comes to you and says, I've got a house that I need to sell for X and you say, man, that's a fantastic deal. They need cash. I've got this cash ready. I have my processes ready. I have my business I've worked on and I can totally take this deal and turn it into something that's positive for my company. It, it, you, inaction doesn't get you that. It doesn't. Um, so that, that's the way that I look at, at how I do my job. That's awesome. Cause uh, you know, especially the last year it's been very hard to find deals and there haven't been very many deals coming through um, just because it's such a hot market. But if somebody's just starting, if they're still not looking at deals daily, they're not going to know when that right. good deal does come through. They're not going to be able to jump on it and act right away. Or if they haven't right. been looking, looking into funding and lining up the funding beforehand, they won't be able to jump on that good deal that, that comes through. So I think that's a great point is uh, lining it all up beforehand, doing the preparation, making good use of the time. Uh, that's great. What were the four things again? Be so it's be relentless and that's relentless focus on the customer um, and relentless action. I keep getting, I've gotten like 10 phone calls while we've been on this relentless focus on your customer and relentless in, in your drive to move forward, uh, improve incrementally. So um, we, we've used something called micro improvements where you're, you're not making wholesale changes like adding a new piece of software isn't going to make you better. It's just going to make your bad processes more efficient. Um, you're still going to make the same mistakes. So you've got to improve incrementally. Um, it's not going to be perfect. The first time you do it is, is the third one. It's never going to be where you want it. If you have an ideal uh, place for your business you have to realize that even if you catch that ideal, your mind will move you, you past that and want more. So you have to realize that it's never going to be perfect. And that, and that also goes, goes with goal setting. You know, you should have daily, weekly, monthly, and annual goals um, because perfection is you meeting your goals. Perfection is, isn't what you see in your mind. Uh, as far as the attainment, I've attained the highest mountain. And then the last one is you can't rely on luck. Um, and that, and that really focuses on inaction and, uh, you have to be 
you have to be taking action and you have to be at the right place in the right time to make things lucky for you. Um, instead of just relying on somebody to just walk up and hand you something. And, you know, we're, we're at that age now and we both have kids where we're, we're trying to instill in those kids that you have to work hard to get what you want. It's not going to be handed to you. And it's hard because they're your kids and you want to give them things, but they also need to learn that, um, you know, mistakes have consequences. And if you're not working hard, you're not going to get it. Um, And that's the same thing in business. Um, You have to be able to work hard. You reap what you sow and there's no way around that. Yep. So, exactly. Yeah, there were a couple couple of those that really stood out to me. Um, you know, one it, that it, your business is never perfect. I know I struggled for a long period where I always I just kept saying, "Well, I'll be I'll be happy when I get to this point in the business." And it was just like I was just struggling through it and frustrated that I wasn't at this end destination that I envisioned. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely relate to, I would have been a lot more content if I just accepted the progress mm-hmm. along the way, knowing I would get there. And when I got there, I would want more. And then yep. that was just a stepping stone. So to, I think it's a to great- make a million bucks, you got to make a dollar first. And, you know, and I'll, I'm not going to classify all millennials like this, but there, there is a generation of people and they're in every generation that, the moment they're born, they expect to be a vice president and have a salary of X and have perks of X. Well, no, that's (laughs) not how it works. Like if you want that, you've got to either build it yourself or you have to work your way into that. So um, you're going to have to get that first dollar, which doesn't seem like much in order for you to get to the millionth or the 10 millionth dollar. Uh, And it's going to feel like a small deal, but it's not because it's, building you towards what you need. Um, you know, I tell people all the time from a sales perspective is every no gets you closer to a yes. Uh, and that's statistically, uh, it is, it's, I mean, it's not proven. It's just a fact, you know, you have so many yeses you can get and the faster you get to a no with somebody, the the more, the less time you waste and the faster you get to that person that's going to say yes. So mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's action and, um, you know, proving that you can be there and building your way up that gets you to where you want to be. And I'm the same way as you. I'm not ever really content with where my businesses are. Um, you know, it's, I had the same thinking, I'll be happy when this, I'll be happy when this. Well, as soon as I get that, I'm like, man, I need to be at, this and not like, Oh, I'm just going to sit back and let things cruise. Um, and I don't know when you get to that place, but, um, it'll be interesting. Maybe when, when, when you're done working, but I don't think I'll ever be done. Yeah. I don't, I don't foresee ever being done either. I may change what I do or how involved I am, but I'll always be wanting, wanting to work and, and be moving forward. So another one you pointed out there, the being relentless, I know, uh, at least in my journey as an entrepreneur and an investor, it's kind of a solitary solitary act, you know, Right. that everybody I'm involved with really is looking to me to keep them going or they're working individually. 
Do you know any tips for how to stay motivated or how to stay driven um, and not ever? I think it goes to your why. why. What is your why? Um, You know, uh, motivation is, um, I mean, it's either internal or external, and I don't respond to external motivation. Um, I didn't respond to our coaches when we played football together, when they would yell at us and I'm not going to respond to people jumping on me now. I'm a terrible employee. I'll be the first person to say that. Um, so it's all, yeah, it's internally driven and it, it goes to your core. You know, my why, um, is, uh, my family and, uh, the security that we have and the lifestyle that we have and um, my peace, my faith, like my why is all wrapped up in a ball uh, like that. And that is the power um, is when you understand your core and your why um, your motivation should be endless um, that tied to goals. You know, if you, if you set attainable goals, um, not, not unattainable goals, um, then, then your why should be able to drive you towards those goals. Um, so I think that, uh, motivation is tied to, to goals and, and, and your why. Um, so it it really depends on where you're coming from. If your why is to make tons of money, then, um, then your goals and your um, motivation have to be aligned and you have to get in at some point, you have to get in a faster lane than people that are driven to build long-term uh, slow, slow growth success. Um, if you're in a quick hit it and move on mindset, your, your why, your motivation, your goals are going to be different. So aligning myself with people that have the same approach to why uh, that I do is, is another part of, of staying motivated. It is, you know, a lone wolf um, lifestyle where, you know, you're in your office, you're typically by yourself. Um, the kids come in and out, you know, you, you know, I have meals with my family, um, you know, on it. We eat dinner at five o'clock every day. Um, you know, it, we eat lunch around noon. Like it's, it is, it is a lone wolf lifestyle. And if you, if you don't create systems for yourself, if you don't find people that are other lone wolves that you can, you can bounce things off of, if you don't create, um, create synergies, it's going to be lonely. So you've got to, uh, you've got to really hone that why. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So um, for anybody struggling with the motivation or feeling in a slump, I'd say buckle down. Know why you're doing it, why you started. Uh, Remind yourself of what the reward is um, because there are many rewards. Uh, Just like you talked about, time with family and getting to eat meals with family. And um, I think that's awesome. I know for me, another key thing, like when you were talking about goals, for a while I was doing short-term goals to really push myself to try and crank it out quick. And when I would hit them, a lot of times I'd hit a slump because I had reached my goals. Mm-hmm. And it was like I let down. Now, you know, now I'm trying to always have goals beyond 
the short-term goals. So I don't ever get to that point where I'm not sure, you know, what I'm working towards anymore. I'm always trying to have something further out ahead to keep working towards. Um, and, so and all another, my short, <clears throat> go ahead. I was going to say another key point that you brought up was networking and just being around yeah. other entrepreneurs, other people in the same struggle. Um, that's been huge for me over the years because, you know, not, not everybody can relate to the struggles of an entrepreneur. And so just, you know, getting right. somebody's insights and sharing what's going on uh, uh, is great encouragement. All my short-term goals are process-driven. Um, they're not financial. So um, short-term goals for me are sales meetings, sales calls, quotes, sent out quotes, closed, uh, micro improvements completed. Um, uh, they're not, um, they're not X amount of dollars. They're all function. They're functional processes that I am looking to um, determine, you know, I determine what metrics I want on them, like how many meetings I want a week, um, how many, um, how many you know, micro improvements I want to do in a week, um, how many quotes I want to be able to put out, how fast I'm going to put out the proposals, um, you know, how many I want to close. The long-term goals are the financial goals. Those are the metrics that, that come out of the, the short-term goals. So I, I don't ever really feel... Um, it, it, there, it's a two-edged sword because you don't ever feel attainment in the long-term stuff because you, you always are, whenever you measure it, you're resetting, you're resetting it for the next year. But um, I feel attainment uh, in the short-term stuff. It's almost like if you said to the two of us, if somebody said, here are a million bricks, I want you guys to build uh, an eight-foot high brick wall that's uh, a mile long. Um, are we going to not feel satisfied until it's done or are we going to feel satisfied daily because we can look at where we started and look at what we've attained? So the long-term goal is the mile long, eight foot high wall. The short-term goal is, oh, we went from over there to here. And this is how many bricks we did today. And this is how many rows we did. So, so it's, it's almost a matter of perspective. Um, and changing your perspective into how you look at, at what you do. Um, and, and I spend a lot of time trying to train my muscle. The brain is a muscle trying to change perspective. Um, and that, and that's key. So it's kind of like, um, I think that's a huge insight. That's kind of like your long-term goals are the fruit, right? And your short-term goals are the activities. You can't, to get a lot of fruit, if you're raising an orchard, let's say of apples, you can't focus on the apple. You got to focus on fertilizing the tree and pruning the tree and making sure there aren't insects on the tree. And it's those daily activities that will eventually give you the harvest of the fruit. Yep. It's the uh, daily activities. So I think that's awesome. Having your short-term goals be your activities. If, if you want a certain number of deals, you can't just focus on deals. You have to focus on looking at houses for sale, calling sellers, doing marketing. Those those activities will lead to the deals. I think that's yep. a great point. And, and, 
I think one of the reasons why people may spin their wheels in your industry is because, because they get caught on one side of the fence. And, and your industry is a little different than consulting and selling digital products like, like I do. Um, and I've found that out because over the last two months, I've been selling PPE. So your industry is you have to source the product you have to source it, you have to buy it, and mm-hmm. then you can sell it or service it or have somebody use it. Um, if they get stuck on the source side where they don't have inventory and they can't find inventory and they can't get inventory at the right prices, they're never going to get to the product side. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got, even in with what you do, you have to have micro uh, activities within your activities. You have to have sourcing activities and you have to have uh, renting and leasing and selling activities. So you, you're even, it's, there's even more of a dichotomy there um, that there are inputs, throughputs and outputs. What if people get stuck on yeah. the inputs, they're not going to have outputs and they're definitely not going to do well on the throughputs. So it, you have to look at it from, that approach if you want to divide up what you have to do every day if you never focus on sourcing well how in the world are you going to build up uh, a portfolio of real estate and then if you find tons of real estate and you never focus on the outputs how are you going to keep the real estate if you're not making money from it Um, so there's a balance Um, some people divide up that balance with individuals. If you're a lone wolf, you've got to figure out that balance on your own. Yeah, that's a good point. If, uh, you know, if you're really good at the inputs and building the portfolio, but not good with the output, you could hire a property manager. Mm -hmm. Or if you're good at sourcing deals, but not good at funding deals, you could partner with somebody, um, to provide the funding or there are multiple ways to try to solve that. Um, but one way or another, you have to be able to handle both the input and the output for yep. it to be successful. So that's sharp. So what do you, you said you're focused right now, mainly on PPE. What, what opportunities are you working I mean, on? It's, forward? it's kind of wound down. So I started um, the PPE sales side on, uh, March 15th. Um, so it's been about two and a half months. Um, I've done about 7 million in revenue. Um, and you know, netted a good amount, um, under a million, but you know, more than a couple nickels. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's slowing down, um, as, as, it just is following. If you look at the statistics for uh, the coronavirus, it fo- the market almost follows that, and you have to watch trends. Um, sourcing is has been an experience because um, there are people out there that are are uh, con men and have been duping hospitals, states, even the federal government into paying for something that doesn't exist. So that's been interesting. And, um, you know, getting, getting the deals isn't getting the people who need it. Isn't hard. It's finding it at the price you can buy it at. That's hard. It's just like it was, it'd be just like if, uh, like let's say Google decided to put their, 
their um, headquarters, their second headquarters in Dayton, Ohio. Um, and that means you would, you would have about probably 100,000 people that needed a place to live. Um, if you had 100,000 people to need a that needed a place to live in this housing market in Dayton, Ohio, you'd run out of inventory in about five minutes. Um, mm -hmm. So finding the people that need it is the easy side. Finding real sources that are stateside and you don't have to import. And like I have containers um, hitting Long Beach today uh, that were sold a month ago. Uh, from so we imported them from China, but a month isn't doable in this environment. So finding you know things on the ground uh, is, is where it needs to be. So it's um, it's it's just like it's just like the real estate market. If it's out of balance, um, you know there's either more inventory than there are people, or there there's either more people than there is inventory. Um, it's the same thing. It's finding that balance. Um, Sure, in the, the, the opportunities in the, the imbalance. Mm -hmm. It's in the imbalance. And this, from the first uh, shelter in place until now, um, there has been, and I don't mean from a bad standpoint, I don't mean price gouging, I don't mean anything like that. In multiple industries, there's been so much opportunity that if, if, you, if you did not, uh, use this time to either take make an adjacency move in your business or learn a new skill or even if you're super entrepreneurial um, like I am you know take the time to basically set up a medical supply business like if you didn't do something that drove you forward then you missed the boat because you know there's tons of opportunity right now um, in any, any side of, of the industry, you could have taken the time just to make digital products. And then when things start to go get humming again, you have a whole suite of things that, that you, you can use. Um, so pivoting was the name of the game for a, a while. And, um, I've started referring to, uh, to it as adjacency moves because pivot became kind of a cliche word. Mm. Uh, in in for COVID, uh, but adjacency moves is understanding what your core is and then moving to add to your core and, and see if it's going to work. Um, so um, that that's where I've been in the last two and a half months is basically sitting in this chair um, on the phone and like you know this just just now it's um, you know one two three four five six seven. Uh, eight, eight texts and five phone calls since we've been on for 44 minutes. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fast. Yeah. Um, so it's good. It's good though. I mean, it, it keeps me up and I do, I do. Uh, and I have been slowly transitioning back into my normal, um, you know, five jobs, uh, the normal ones. So, um, I, I I do want to keep driving those forward. Well, I really, I mean, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, good. talk with me and share the information. I think, man, the amount of actionable information and from this uh, 40 minutes has been awesome. 
So I really appreciate your insights. No problem. I'd love to do it again sometime. Gladly. Glad to have you. So thanks again, Seth. We'll definitely talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Chad. That was a great interview. If you would like more information about Seth and the businesses he has running right now, you can find more information about him at Linktree. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Seth Hummel. Or we'll have the link on our website under show notes or a blog post. Our website is truewealthinvestors.com. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Investors podcast. Visit us at truewealthinvestors.com to find archived episodes with show notes and links mentioned in each episode. Be sure to click the subscribe button today and leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to share how the show is helping you along your real estate investing journey.